Uh, many have called this one of the greatest boxing matches of all time. It was dubbed the Fight of the Century, March 8th, 1971, Madison Square Garden, New York City. Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier both were undefeated at the time. And so this was for the undisputed world champion. It was actually the first of three major fights between these two contenders. And this one lasted 15 rounds. They delivered blow after blow as they fought in the ring. Um, are you a boxing fan? Anyone out there? A boxing fan? I can't actually claim that title either. I'm not really a fan of the sport, but I knew that I do know that some people follow it as a sport. Uh, there's other things similar to boxing like mixed martial arts, MMA, UFC, Ultimate Fighter. Right? Men and women jump into the ring or the octagon and they're hoping to be crowned champion, the ultimate fighter. There's a level of violence there that's kind of hard to, for me to watch up on the screen. Maybe it's hard for you to watch right now. But I do know that there is some strategy involved. There are tactics to this. And I also can be in awe of the physical strength of these athletes, the, the stamina they have, the endurance with which they're able to be in there, and really just the bold courage that it would take to go into the ring and face an opponent who wants to beat you physically. So what about you? Would you enter into the ring or the octagon would you re be ready to, to face off against that opponent, that challenger coming at you? Would you have the physical endurance and the stamina, the mental toughness that it would take? Would you enter the ring? And do you know that you already are? You face a very strong opponent who comes after you with punch after punch, blow after blow, fist after fist, and he's hoping to land those punches, to land those blows, to knock you down to the ground and take you out. Because you are in the ring with Satan. And this is a grueling physical and spiritual fight for your very soul. Satan is your brutal opponent and he wants to beat you down into the ground. He comes after you. He wants to pummel you to a pulp. He wants to take you out. His goal is to destroy you. You know, I think sometimes we minimize Satan and his furious rage. The way that he comes after us, for many in our world, they celebrate him. And Satan becomes nothing more than a, a mere prop that can be used for sickening entertainment. And sometimes, sometimes we even fall into that. 
But here's the thing. Satan isn't just keeping score through all the rounds. He's not just trying to see how many strikes he can hit, how many blows he can land. He's not just there to, to kind of notch it off every time on his post, every time he gets us to just stumble a little bit, to, to fall a little bit in disobedience to God's holy morality. No. Satan wants to destroy you. And so every single temptation that you face, every single lure, every single enticement that he puts before you is another little jab, another little swing that he's trying to set you up for the knockout punch. And it's just not just a knockout. He's trying to inflict eternal damnation eternal death, where you will be separated from your good and gracious God for all eternity. He wants to obliterate all that God has made good in your life, and he will do so in any way that he can, including getting you to think that he is not a real threat, but he is. And when the final bell of this match rings, you will either lie crushed and defeated on the ground or you will stand with your arms raised in victory as a champion. This spiritual fight, this spiritual boxing match, this spiritual violence, it's going to play out before our eyes whether we want it to or not. And it's the same spiritual violence that we see played out as Jesus went into this desert wilderness for a slugfest with Satan. And that match lasted well beyond 15 rounds. Look at what Luke writes there. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 40 days. Intense temptation. Part of the plot of Satan to take Jesus down. But it's important to understand that this plot from Satan, it didn't start there in the desert. That slugfest that occurred there, the, the showdown that took place, it didn't start at the, the showdown of the cross. It didn't start in that other portion from Luke chapter 22 where we read how Satan lured and enticed those Jewish chief priests and, and teachers of the law, the leaders of the people, he incited them to hatred of Jesus. It didn't start there. It didn't start when, Ju when Satan entered into Judas' heart, lured him away through greed and covetousness in order to betray his dearest friend. Well, it started well before that. Well, Satan's plot is millennia in the making. As he has sought throughout time to destroy all that God has made good. And his plot continues to this day. Every single day, you and I are in Satan's sights. And so Satan sought more than just Jesus' fall here. He wanted to take out the reconciliation that would occur between God and humanity. So Jesus wasn't just fighting for himself here in the desert. He wasn't just fighting for himself when he went to the cross. But he was fighting for you and me. 
all of our hopes, all of our dreams hung in the balance of this epic conflict. And as you witness that boxing match that took place, as Luke gives us his commentary on it, recognize the fighting style of our sparring enemy. There are times in our life when Satan may just come at us directly, charging at us with all of his might, swinging his arms wildly and furiously, hoping to land a blow. But more often than not, Satan's tactic, his style, is to come with craftiness, to be clever, to be sly to lull us into a sense of security so that we drop our gloves and expose our hearts. Did you notice that about this temptation that Jesus faced? When we have these these three specific temptations that Luke gives us, notice that Satan comes at an opportune time. Luke tells us that Jesus ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Jesus would have been weak and tired, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He was isolated, alone, vulnerable, hungry. And that's when Satan struck. That's when Satan came after him. When there was no immediate work or tasks to which he could apply his mind, there were no friends around who could distract him with conversations. He was just alone. Jesus and the tempter. So I want to ask you, in your own trials and temptations, when do you feel Satan coming after you the hardest and the strongest? When are those opportune times that Satan finds in your own life? When does that dance in the spiritual ring seem to become exhausting? What are your triggers? Well, maybe it's when, when you're alone. Maybe your family's out of town. For the weekend. Maybe you're the one who's traveling. You're out of town. You're separated from your family. You're alone in the hotel room. You're alone at the bar. Now maybe, maybe it's a person, right? Maybe it's that coworker who's just so aggravating, so frustrating that it really gets underneath your skin. Maybe it's that family member that you really want to love, you want to care for them, but they make it so difficult. When do you feel isolated and alone? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's just a trying time in your family. Maybe, maybe it's that stress that builds up at work or stress that builds up in your family life. Those, those situations, we're about to get married. We just got married. We're trying to get pregnant. That's hard. We got pregnant. Woo! Yes! Baby in the house. Oh my goodness. Our finances are a mess. 
Whatever it might be, Satan is going to look for the most opportune times when we feel weak, when we feel frail and fragile, when we are exhausted and distracted and wandering from God's word so that he can strike when our gloves are down and our hearts and our minds are exposed. And then Satan swings with his go-to move. It's a little word. If. Did you notice how in all three of those specific temptations that Luke records for us in chapter 4, that little word if comes into play. And sometimes Satan will use that little word if, he'll use it as a, a challenge aggressively. Sometimes he'll use it as a question. And sometimes he'll use it as a promise. But he uses that little word if. It's the key to his plot. The first temptation, the devil said to him, to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Next one, he uses it as, as a promise. He says, if you worship me, it will all be yours. And finally, if you are the Son of God again, throw yourself down from here. How does Satan swing at you with if statements or if questions? Well, what are the, the promises that he throws before you to entice you to, to abandon your God? What are the challenges that he brings against you, the accusations that he levies against you to, to try to drive you into guilt and fear? And how, how successful has he been? Because Satan has succeeded often. He succeeded in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And he's succeeded in every single human heart since. Every single human heart that has been born and conceived in our own image instead of in the image of our perfect, holy creator. And he succeeded in you. And he succeeded in me. We've bought into the lies. We've become entrapped by his words, his promises. We've coveted, desired, become greedy. We've not held firm to the word of God and our trust in God's protection, his love, his faithfulness, his care. Satan has landed his blows on our flesh. He has inflicted bruising and bleeding with force. And he is striving for that knockout blow. He has succeeded until Christ. Until Jesus. Jesus put an end to Satan's undefeated streak. Jesus, our Savior, he entered the ring as our contender, the champion of the human cause. And Satan was the one who failed with Jesus. Satan was the one who came up short because Jesus never fell. Jesus never sinned. 
not once in those 40 days spent out in this desert wilderness, mirroring the 40 days that God's people spent wandering in the desert when Satan succeeded time and time and time again in their hearts. Jesus never fell. Jesus never fell in these three specific temptations that we have before us in God's Word. Those temptations that really highlight to us the own temptations that we also face, Jesus never fell. Not once. Not once in his 30-some years of life on this earth. Not even when he was faced with the cross and God's own wrath and punishment that he would suffer and endure in our place. Not once. Satan never won with Jesus. Jesus stood tall. Jesus never buckled. He never fell. He never gave up the good fight. He foiled the tempter's plot. And he endured beating round after brutal round. He withstood and he remained perfectly obedient to God. He stood victorious in that ring. And it's Jesus' victory that speaks your full forgiveness. It's Jesus' victory that gives you victory. It gives you hope and peace. But this victory had a steep cost. Because Jesus would give up his life in this ring. Jesus would, would die because of this fight. And yet, through his death, Jesus was the one who delivered the knockout punch to Satan. When Satan had let his glove drop because he sensed victory, it was Jesus who delivered the final blow. A one-two, left-right combination. It was in his death. His death that paid for every single time that Satan has succeeded against you and me. His death, the blood that he shed that covered over all of your sins, all of mine, that set us free, declared us forgiven. And then, Jesus came with the final swing and his glorious resurrection again to life. His victory over the grave that declared us justified, at peace with God, no longer sparring with our Creator. And Jesus foiled Satan's plot. And Satan's plot became God's own plan to save us. In fact, every single scandalous aspect of Jesus' life was part of God's masterful plan to save you and me. I mean, think about it. And when Satan failed in that desert, he then turned to utilize the people who would praise and worship Jesus to see if he could use that praise and that worship to turn Jesus to pride and arrogance. And yet Jesus rode into Jerusalem in humility with a desire to serve, to give his life. Satan then turned to use the anger of those chief priests, those teachers of the law who felt that their control over the people, it was slipping could Satan get Jesus to retaliate and meet their anger with his own? 
And yet Jesus spoke with truth and grace. And so Satan said, maybe I can get one of his best friends. I can turn him against him. I can use greed and covetousness, those powerful tools, and I can get him to betray Jesus. And certainly Judas' betrayal inflicted deep pain on Jesus' heart. And yet Jesus always sought the best interests of his friends. He was always reaching out to Judas, asking him, begging him to turn back to God, to be restored in forgiveness. So this battle that we witness in the desert all the way to the cross is a battle that Jesus won and it's a battle that counts for you. God in his grace has declared that Christ's obedience, his perfect life, is yours. His obedience has been credited to your account. And so as you stand in that obedience, you are able to avoid Satan's traps through his remarkable power. You can live with humility and service because the king of all kings has promised to supply all that you need for all eternity. You can dodge Satan's swings as he tries to incite your anger when you feel at a loss for control because you know that the ultimate control of this world is in God's hands. It resides with your powerful champion, Jesus Christ. And you can block the strikes of greed and covetousness that Satan throws at you because you know of the incredible generosity of your God. You are in the ring in a fight for your life. But you do not stand in there alone. Jesus, your victorious champion, is in your corner. And not only is he in your corner, but he actually walks out into the ring with you. He actually steps in front of you and he is the one who faces off against Satan. And so in Jesus, you know that you have the upper hand. You have the upper hand, not because of your strength, not because of your determination, not because of your endurance. You have the upper hand because you have already watched the greatest battle of all time, the greatest fight, and the greatest victory. You have already seen that Jesus is undefeated. Jesus has won. His hands have been raised in victory by God, the ultimate judge of all things. He is the champion. Let Jesus fight for you because he has foiled the tempter's plot. Amen? Amen. Amen.